It's show 166 of the Rim Pro Report this week. Bowman Richards of Richards and Richards and the latest industry news. The show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Hey, hop on over to the O'Neill Facebook page. That's at facebook.com slash O'Neill Software for all the clues in the 2013 O'Neill Jingle Bells Holiday Hunt. Do some hunting on the O'Neill website using the clues found on Facebook posts and then be entered to win prizes. Have some fun this holiday season with our friends at O'Neill Software. That address again for you is facebook.com slash O'Neill Software. So I was wondering to myself what Santa and Mrs. Claus might actually call their baby if they had one. And then I got it subordinate clause oh that's good subordinate clause welcome to the rim pro report the one and only weekly broadcast for the rim support services industry bustling with news views and the latest updates this show is full of interesting information so take notes now here's your host tom adams yeah i know that wasn't any good at all that was actually really quite terrible so i'm officially stuck in holiday music mode and and they're creating an ever-present set of earworms in me you know those things that you just can't get out of your head the funny part for me is I only seem to be able to repeat one line of the song and then I repeat it and I repeat it in my head like it came upon a midnight clear that glorious song of old and then somehow it comes back again it came upon a midnight clear the glorious song of old you get the picture but other than that life is good I have to say this has been a pretty amazing year 2013 and uh, this is the last show of December and 2013 we're actually going to take a break next week to enjoy the holiday season so in whatever form or fashion you celebrate this season i'd like to wish you the very best be safe be present and relish joy this year wherever you find it now given that this is the last show of the season i didn't want to end the year without something really good for you so today i'm going to talk to bowman richards uh bowman is uh Vice President of Sales at Richards and Richards in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, you've undoubtedly heard about Richards and Richards. I've had Steve Richards, the um, president and founder of Richards and Richards, on the show a couple of times over the years, and Bowman's his uh, his eldest son, who is part of the business. And I wanted to talk to Bowman specifically about the whole family business thing. And even more specifically, from the point of view of the kid in the business, there are a lot of family businesses in this rim and shred nation. And I thought it might be kind of cool to chat about it all with Bowman and seems fitting to do it at this time of the year. So we're going to have Bowman on the show with us today. But before I call Bowman, let's get caught up on all the latest industry news. It's actually been kind of quiet this week, but I found a couple of interesting things. Uh, Iron Mountain underwrote a recent survey conducted by Meritoc of all federal U.S. agencies regarding their transition deadline to digitize and streamline records management practice. This is something that's required by the 2012 presidential directive here in the USA. Uh, the basic response to the survey was almost 50% of all those surveyed do not believe or are pretty unsure if the requirements of the directive are even reasonable or attainable given the deadlines attached to them. So a couple of other points, just over half, 54% of records and information managers say that they will be able to identify all permanent records by the deadline of December 31st. 70% of respondents say they have had little progress to report in regards to electronically managing permanent records and email, while just 18% say they've made any significant progress and are ready to report. 
Uh, 92% of respondents believe their agency must take further steps to meet the directive requirements. So a lot of interesting stuff coming out of that survey. And uh, it really speaks to the value of them potentially considering uh, using professional records storage and management companies like uh, those of us listening today uh, to help them out. Hey, the finance world begins to look at recall a lot more realistically after being listed on the Australian Stock Exchange uh, a little while ago. JP Morgan has actually decided not to value the stock aggressively and are retaining an underweight rating on the stock. Concerns from them and Deutsche Bank, as well as others on the street, suggest concerns over service-specific service revenue, uh, recycling income from paper, and organic box volume growth. There are also concerns over the capacity of recall to support digital initiatives. And actually, because the they're traded on the Australian Stock Exchange, even the exchange rates and what that means to all of it. So, uh, yeah, an underweight rating from J.P. Morgan on a recall. And that's all the news I have right now. I know we're in the season when things are kind of slow in the industry. But if you have any news you want to share with me, let me know so I can share it here on upcoming shows. Alrighty, I'm going to get Bowman Richards on the line. Hang tight while I do. Bowman Richards is vice president at Richards and Richards in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm really excited to have him on the show today. Bowman, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, it's great to have you on the Rim Pro Report. You know, I've uh, I've known you for a long time, but we've never had this kind of discussion. So I'm kind of excited to have this discussion with you today. So uh, let let's start by giving me a bird's eye view of your job at Richards and Richards. Well, Tom, first, thank you so much for for inviting me to do this. I, I do feel um, very privileged to to have this opportunity, and and really appreciate all that you do for our our industry and, and uh, I've always enjoyed our, our friendship and um, just appreciate the opportunity. But um, in regards to, to Bird's Eye View, uh, my primary responsibility is sales, inside and outside sales for all of our services here at Richards & Richards. And we started a scanning operation about three to four years ago and up until about eight months ago. I was uh, also responsible for getting that operation off the ground and running. Um, but about eight months ago, we purchased another scanning company here in town and brought on several people to help run and manage that operation. So now all I have to do is get out and sell the service as opposed to having to go out and sell the service, come back, prep the job, scan the job, publish the job, and then go out and get another job. <laughs> right. So now... Now I can just go out and, and sell. But uh, we actually, uh, as of last week, we brought on a additional salespeople. Uh, I'm sorry, additional salesperson, Laura yep. Hale, and uh, also my brother just finished up at Old Miss this past week. Officially became a graduate of the Old Miss University, and he's starting with us in a couple weeks. So oh, I'm kind cool! Of transitioning into more of a sales manager slash mentor role for them um, along with trying to keep up my current sales activities. Wow. So you, you've got a lot going on. Well, uh, 
today the goal for me is maybe less about the work you do, but more about the 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 whole family context. And and I know it was kind of cool this week. You got written up in a local newspaper, I think it was, and you know there was some press around that. And I, I think as I look at this industry, I see a whole lot of people involved in family businesses. And granted, the industry is evolving and changing, but family business is a big part of of the independent world that we live in. And I, I really want to talk a little bit today and, and maybe more focus on that side of the business within the context of the records and information management space. So give me a sense of, of your life growing up in a record center. You were a record center kid. Uh, we've had your dad on the show before. Uh, and, you know, you grew up there. It was it was part of your life. But growing up in a record center, what was that like? And was that your dream for your life? What did you want to be when you grew up? Tell me a little bit about you know, but growing up and what you were thinking about coming from that context. Sure. Uh, well, honestly, I uh, I did not like the records storage business growing up much at all. <laughs> I uh, I dreaded working summers and and breaks for the company. It was uh, I, I would compare it having not ever worked in construction. I would have compared it uh, to construction and, and would have said that. It was worse than construction work because at least in construction you were typically outside and you could you could uh, breathe some fresh air. But within the record center, it was always dusty and um, dirty and and hot because there was typically no air conditioning in the buildings um, right. over the summers when I typically worked. So it was pretty miserable. But uh, I did. I grew up literally within a record center. I didn't go to daycare as a, as a kid, nor did my siblings. We, right. we literally came to work and had a playroom on the third floor just outside of my mom's office. We had a TV and actually a shelving unit that uh, was there in this room. Dad had had one of our contractors to come in and actually made a uh, fort out of this shelving unit. That really? Boring in and it had a trap door and a ladder and rails. And it was honestly any of the neighborhood kids that, that came to work with us, um, I mean, thought it was one of the coolest things ever, but for us, it was just normal. Yeah, it was your normal um, life. For everybody else, it was, oh my gosh, we're going to Richards and Richards today, but for you guys, it was, this is this is where you go every day. Exactly. Hmm. But uh, honestly, I, I, never, I never dreamt of, in fact, if you'd asked me growing up or even in high school or even really my first year or two of college, um, I definitely did not have any kind of desire or urge to, to come back in the family business. And in fact, it was the complete opposite. I was determined not to come back and work for the family business. Hmm. Um, I had, I had always kind of had a, a dream being in music city. I, I was very passionate about music, still am pretty passionate about, uh, about music and actually kind of had more of a, a dream of being some former fashion within the, the, the music industry. Hmm. Wow. So so from the front of the stage side or back of the stage? Uh, more probably of the back of the stage because I, I did play a few different instruments growing up but never got good enough at any particular one to, uh, to ever be on the front side of the stage. No, that's that's cool. I mean, it's it growing up in Nashville, uh, you you are one of the few places in the world where the backside of the stage is 
or backstage activities and actions and all the stuff related to that is really a, a part of the world you live in. Exactly. And I, I've actually got a lot of, uh, a lot of my mom's side of the family is actually in the music business. My sister, kind of funny how, how things work out. My sister is actually working at, at Universal Records, uh, and she's been very successful up to this point. But I think um, in college, I studied that a little bit more on, on kind of different opportunities within the music industry and, and did find out. Um, through my cousin who worked in the, in the music business at that point, that it was a very, um, just was not a very secure uh, job um, setting. It was a very unstable career path that everybody that works for most labels do. And even my sister now, she has that fear um, every mm-hmm. night whether or not she's going to have a job tomorrow. Because right. there's always all types of labels merging and getting bought out or right. uh, going out of business. Right. So. so you end up at University of Tennessee, right? That's where you went to school. That's correct. Yeah. And so what was the goal? What what kind of study did you do? What path were you on with that? Because you were obviously on a path away from the family business. So what what were you going for? What were you doing? I was on the path to do the least amount of work possible to get a college <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I was completely honest, but okay. it's where most of my friends went. It's where my dad went to school. I was huge ball football fan, um, still am, and uh, I'm pretty sure I changed majors at least three to four times uh, throughout my my college career. I, I uh, finished strong with five years. Um, my brother did the the four and a half. I chose to do the the full the five. five year thing. But uh, honestly, I had no clue what I wanted to do after college when I first got in. I'm not sure that too many do. Um, some mean, some of us are still trying to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Right. But I, I still had some thoughts about the music business. I, I thought about law school. English and writing were really more of my, my stronger subjects, not necessarily the math or science side of, of studies. But I uh, started out as... A communications major, and then I moved to econ, and then I moved into business, and then ultimately I ended up with a, a political science major. But don't ask me how that happened. Uh, all I know is that it, it took me five years, and I, I did officially get a degree. Cool. So when when did the decision come to? Uh, when did the the change happen that made you say, "Hey, maybe I should go back into business with my family"? What what was the deciding point at that? Where where did that show up for you? So I, I took business courses um, every semester of college, just different business courses, and I, I remember studying in in one of my classes recurring revenue business models. Um, it was one of my business one hundred and one courses, 102, 103, whatever it was, and uh, the professor had was encouraging us all to find a business or job that fit that type of model, and I, I in studying it, I've realized, I'm pretty sure I, I remember Dad talking about recurring, uh, that it was a recurring revenue model, and so I actually, that summer, um, and even a little bit during that semester, I remember calling home, talking to Dad, and and asking him questions about the business from more of the admin side of things. All right. I had known up to that point was I hated pulling boxes, 
knew how dirty and miserable it was. I knew that we did shredding to some degree, but didn't know how we charged for anything that we did. Hmm. Um, but I started asking them how much we charged per box, per month, average life of a client, average size of account, etc. And I, I developed a whole new respect for what he had created and started. Um, and from then on, I, I started trying to learn everything I could about the business and try to get as much as I could out of the classes I was taking that would possibly help me apply that to when I graduated if I um, if I came back to work in the family business. But Dad, I, honestly, he told me it was never a guaranteed thing that I had a position within the company. Uh, he had ingrained in, in me and my other two siblings that if you came to work, you were going to have to produce. Uh, I, hmm. Honestly, when I when I was finishing up, I thought that uh, uh, when I did finish up college, I thought I was going to be more on the operations side of the business. But when I got out, Dad had a completely different idea in mind, and he told me I was going into sales. And at that point, I was absolutely terrified of sales because everything I'd ever learned or thought about sales was... I don't want to be a used car salesman. That's right. my immediate thought. That right. That's not my personality. I'm more of a shy person. I'm not outgoing at all. Um, but uh, over time, I, I've I've just grown to really have a passion for it and enjoy it because I've tried to take more of a, a consultant-type uh, approach to sales versus just trying to, to sell them anything I can while I'm there in the office. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that, that sense. You come back into the business and you're involved in it and you, you have a particular job you're given, which is sales. Uh, you, you told us earlier about getting involved in the scanning side of the business, but, let, but let's come at it from more of the, the business perspective. Um, what are some of the both the incredible benefits of being a part of a family business and then maybe some of the frustrating challenges of working in a family business? And I appreciate your honesty and uh, and your dad has never been anything but honest in terms of the way he, he approaches the world. But give it from your perspective, not as the older generation, but as the younger one. What are the what are the cool things that come as a result of family business and what are some of the challenges? Well, Honestly, it, it truly is a, a tremendous blessing being able to work with my family every day. Um, fortunately, we have a very healthy working relationship. Mom, Dad, and and Jerry have always been just phenomenal resources for me. I mean, them having been in the business for 26 years uh, it speaks uh, to Dad's experience in the in the industry and how involved he's been with Prism and right and all the other organizations. Um, it's, uh, he's just, he's constantly getting phone calls from, from companies throughout, uh, all over the nation, even the world asking for advice. So having that type of resource right down the hall from me that I can go in and ask questions. He's always been one that's willing to listen to anything that, uh, that any questions that I had and been willing to offer up any information and, and even any ideas I've had. He's, been willing to listen. He might not execute those ideas or put them into place, but uh, he's just been a, a tremendous resource. Yeah. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, it, working in a family business, it is very stressful. It can be intimidating and, and frustrating um, simply because when you work in a family business and you're, you're a family member, 
you're you're always held to a higher standard, and, and all times, all eyes are always on you. Right, um, right. Fortunately, like I said before, mom and dad had kind of ingrained uh, into siblings and I that fact that we are a Richards, we had to overachieve and we had to outperform and we always had to be an example. Hmm. Um, otherwise, we'd we'd lose all respect and we wouldn't have a place to work um, in the business. I've found this myself particularly challenging because I'm, I'm one that tends to focus hard on my work and I'll, I'll get into a selling mode and I don't think about anything else besides... I'm going to bring in the next account, and I'll, I'll forget to talk to people at the office right. around me. I'll, I'll come in, go straight to my desk, get to work. I'll, I'm constantly in and out of the office on appointments, and I don't make any kind of effort to stop by. And like I told you earlier, I've got kind of a secret entrance to the to the uh, to the office. It's our exec, I guess, executive entrance. You could call it. It's kind of a back door that. Um, all the executives used to where I, I actually, there's some days that I, I might not have any interaction with anybody outside of the uh, outside of the office area right here up by me. But uh, my wife was actually one that helped me to realize what I was doing wrong um, in regards to all of that. My wife actually works full-time for a medical malpractice insurance firm in town who mm-hmm. was our very first client and first box on our shelf, but um, we were dealing with some things internally. We had a, a peg group to come in, and they uh, they made some recommendations in regards to future leadership and kind of how um, our company, uh, how we viewed ourselves and then how the employees viewed our executive team. Mm, um, yeah. But she had... Uh, she had tell, told me several months ago a story about how um, their company had just brought on a new CEO and she had gotten on the elevator and he had stepped on with her and, and actually took the time to say hello and ask her how her day was going. And the whole idea was that it meant enough for her that she came home and told me about how the CEO had spoken to her on the elevator. And... I highly doubt that that CEO went home and told his wife about the experience that Lauren had had told me about, that he had gotten a chance to speak to Lauren Richards on the elevator at, at SCMIC. Um, but the whole idea with that is that when you're, when you're the son of the owner, everyone kind of expects you to talk to them. They expect you to, to eventually be the one running the company. And so you've really got to start from uh, from the Right. Get go on gaining respect and and being a leader within the workplace. And that's, but that's a expected challenge that only comes as the as a family member, as opposed to being uh, someone who just it is involved in a sales role. So I yeah I I can see how exactly. there's there's the challenge that comes with that. Um, but it, it's an important piece of of understanding the role in in a family business. Uh, your dad obviously is a very iconic figure in both the rim industry, the shred industry. Uh, I I get the sense from you know knowing enough of the story that he's pretty iconic in the Nashville business community. How have you tried to create your own mark in the world in the context of that presence? 
You know, in regards to Dad and our industry, he's he's got some pretty gigantic shoes to fill, and I'm I'm honestly not sure I'll, I'll ever be able to fill his shoes. Um, all that I've I've done in regards to trying to to create my own mark is just volunteer opportunities. I try to jump into to what I can, what my schedule will allow, and trying to balance between not trying to tackle too many different uh, volunteer opportunities and, and going at each opportunity and giving my best my best effort hmm. uh, yeah. towards each. But in, in the Nashville market, I, we do various charity events and um, community um, associations and, and uh, board positions. I'm uh, very involved with our church here at home. Um, but just trying to, honestly, trying to follow in his footsteps as best as I can. But yep. again, not sure, not sure I'll be able to to fill him uh, as as uh, as much as I'd like to. But hopefully, eventually, one day it'll it'll pay off. Yeah, the the I mean, you you guys have you guys as a family, and I think from talking to him, even on the show here, there there is within him a belief that this is his calling. There is a calling attached to this business, and uh, that sense of passion and enthusiasm for the business is is that something bred into the genetic code that you have, um, or, or is that something you're growing to have? Like, what excites you and attracts you to both the company and the industry? What's what drives you today? as you potentially look out into the future and see, uh, you know, that, that evolution of the role you're going to play? Well, honestly, as cliche as it, as it may sound, uh, there's just a tremendous amount of, of gratification and sense of accomplishment when you're able to help somebody hmm. or relieve some kind of frustration or, or pain. Uh, yep. Not physical, of course, yeah. but some kind of frustration that they've got within their, their business or some kind of problem or issue that they're trying to solve or do more efficiently. And um, after my first year or two, I, I mean, I, I started to grow a real passion for the business because it, was, it wasn't it was new to me um, necessarily, but in a sense it was because I was looking at the company from a completely different angle right. than what I had right. on the operations side. But... Um, the enthusiasm and, and motivation for it. Um, part of what drives me, I would say, is that because of that whole sense that all eyes are constantly on you, I've just got this this motivation and um, drive to over-succeed and, and over-excel uh, all expectations of, of what people have here in the company for me. And I Part of my frustration, too, of, of being in this this family, privately owned business is that it, it's real easy for you to get complacent and, and hmm. after things are going so well for so long, I think that it's really easy to kind of slip into cruise control mode right. and, and not wanting to go after any kind of um, future expansions or ideas or it's, it's very easy to, to fall into that situation where you're not trying to figure out the next big right. thing right um and for me that next big thing is has been this whole paperless digital um push within within the industry and bridging the gap between the 
the paperless office or a, a less paper office. And that's where I started, helped start this, this scanning operation within the company. And that's really been a significant drive that I've had here lately is going at each uh, appointment with this, this hybrid approach. Hmm. And the, the responses that we've gotten from that have just been huge. I mean, wow, people cool. are eye-opening for them, and it's, it's neat to, to be kind of more of a consultant with them. They really appreciate the guidance. You're not just trying to push one solution or the other on them. You're, you're trying to do what's best for them. And that's, that's, been a, that's been extremely gratifying. Well, that's great. So let's keep that consulting hat on for a moment. And uh, somebody comes to you, say they show up to you at a conference somewhere, and they know that, that uh, you're a family business, you're part of a family business, and you've been on the, the kid side of the family business. What kind of advice might you provide someone uh, who owns a family business on bringing a child into the business? What are some of the suggestions you'd make that are important considerations for them to consider as they contemplate doing that kind of thing? You're now the consultant. Um, so give some advice to somebody who's considering bringing their kid into the business. Well, first, I would say that uh, one of my greatest uh, regrets is that I didn't I didn't really go out and work uh any different, uh, when I graduated college, I came straight to work mm. for Richards and Richards. Right. Uh, I would definitely encourage them to send them out somewhere else to work, whether it, it be a completely different industry, different business, um, or if it's just uh, another uh, record center in a different market, mm. a close friend of yours. That okay. was actually part of the plan for me. I was actually supposed to go to Milan, Italy, and, and uh, go and visit uh, Giorgio and um, their family business and, and spend time there. And uh, I ended up meeting my wife my last, uh, second to last year in college, and I couldn't go and, and spend time in Milan for a month or two with my wife being at home. So that kind of cut that plan out. But uh, I would definitely encourage them to get out and work um, somewhere else so that you, it's, I think it's very important to have fresh eyes and right. have somewhat of perspective outside of just that family's business. Um, but also, I would I would encourage um, that owner to to really think long and hard about the role that 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 child is going to be in in the company. Because I, I think it's it's very easy if you just try and place them somewhere in the company, you're essentially setting them up to fail because they're not going to have the respect that they need in certain positions. Um, I think sales is a great role for family members because it's a very uh, measurable um, position and you can easily determine if that family member is, is going to be successful or, or if they're they're failing. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, I mean, not everybody's cut out for sales, right. though, so I, I think you, just, you really need to put some serious thought into what role they're going to play within the business because you don't want the other employees thinking, they're in that role just because they were the the owner's son. Yeah. Um, but also, I I would say if they're not going to contribute and help build the business from whether it's sales or operations, that I wouldn't just. 
put them in the business just because they are the, the owner's kids. Um, it, it can really do some serious damage, I think. Hmm. That's a great um, point. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I would, lastly, I would, I'd probably say they, they definitely want to go out and find a mentor. I've, I've got a mentor that I've been working with over the past three or four years that's completely outside of the business. Um, very successful entrepreneur here in Nashville, and I, I meet with him one-on-one every every two weeks, and we get together and, and discuss all types of uh, business ideas and I bounce all types of things off of him, and he's been tremendously uh, resourceful for me. So, so really making sure that the 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 as you've described in your own personal situation, if you're going to bring a kid into the business, make sure that that kid is also getting external advice from somebody outside of the business, not even outside of the industry potentially, but someone who has a business sense about them so that you're getting a very different um, set of, of uh, ideas, getting a different sounding board. Uh, and is that, the, is that the value you're getting from that mentor relationship? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Those are great, great ideas. He was a client. Uh, he was actually a client, and his company, just a very brief background on him, it was a sweepy $12 million company, and he purchased this company back in, I want to say, 96, and he grew the company from a $12 million company to a uh, $150 million company within, I think it was six years. Wow. Um, he sold around and, and sold it and just been a tremendous uh influence on me um we actually he started a group for sales reps that are typically the the sole sales reps of a company they don't have a sales force so typically they don't have a sales manager and so he's kind of it's funny our group calls uh, our group the aa for salespeople. <laughs> he kind of more or less um is a sounding board for us that don't have a sales manager to go to as a mentor. Our only sales manager or mentor is really the business owner. And there's a lot of things that you don't want to just go directly to the business owner that you struggle with or right. that you're right. that you're challenged with. So he's kind of that that go between. Oh, he's, nice. He's created a unique group that's been very uh, uh, very beneficial for me. Right. So uh, we're getting we're getting close to the end of our time, but there's a couple more questions I'd like to ask you. Uh, you you have said your your mom, your dad, your uncle are all you know family members in this business. Now you're joining, or I mean you've joined, you've been a part of it. Your brother's coming on board, um, but but within that history and that structure, you've learned some really cool lessons. If if you could say what were what's the top two lessons you've learned in business? So the top two business lessons you've learned from your family, what would those top two business lessons be? Top two. Uh, <clears throat> oh, we could talk for hours on this, but you know, I got to keep, you know, I got to keep the, the time to appropriate levels. Absolutely. I'd say the, probably the most important thing that I've learned from our experience is if you take care of your employees, they're going to take care of you. We've got a, a very unique culture here, and I think culture is one of the most important things within a small, small family-owned, privately-owned business. If your culture is, is off, I mean, it can be detrimental to your company. But right. having a very a great culture, I mean, our clients love our employees, and, and it, it just it really 
helps your business, I mean, from all angles, having a, a solid culture. Right. Um, second thing, um, I would say, I mean, sometimes one of the, the best businesses, business decisions that you can make is just to walk away, that accounts um, that are problematic they may have a, a big price tag on the front end, but if they're gonna if they're gonna create frustrations for our for the rest of the people here and our operations, um, it's it's typically just not worth it. Yeah, well, that's great. That's such a great lesson to learn. There's there's so many times you get into situations that that become painful forever for everybody, and walking away might be the best business decision you can make. That's a great line. That's great. Nice. So final question. Uh, if, uh, if I'm talking to you 10 years from now and we do this show, what's your life look like? T- tell me just in, if, if you could have a, have a magic ball and you looked out over your lifetime, um, 10 years from now, what, what's going on in your world? Oh man. Um, so I've got two kids right now, Joy and, and Warren, and, uh, I'd say we probably have two or three more. Wow. So a, um, a fiver, you got a fiver going on. Uh, four for sure, possibly a fiver. Okay. Uh, All right. So you got four to five kids, and they're they're playing in the uh, the in the record center. Exactly. We'll have a playroom <laughs> in the back of the record center. Um, which actually they technically kind of already have a playroom now. Already have. Uh, uh, wow. Uh, I would say second. Stephen, my brother's coming into the business. He's going to be kind of on the same path that, that I've been on. He's, he's generating um, business, but also my sister, hopefully, eventually, she'll, she'll wise up and, and get out of the music business and, and come to work. I, I think having them here would be tremendous. Um, I think they would be uh, great assets for us. I, I like having the, the family uh, in the business, um, but also, I, I would hope that we'll be able to expand into some other locations here in, in Tennessee. Definitely not getting outside of Tennessee, but um, maybe some of the smaller markets. Uh, hope our, our scanning and litigation support services really take off. Very cool. Well, Bowman, it's been a real pleasure. I, I, I loved hearing your story. I loved uh, passing your story on to uh, the greater rim world. And uh, some of the lessons you gave today were fabulous. I, I, I love that. I love when uh, so your unique perspective has some something to provide value to other people. So thanks for sharing with us. I really appreciate it and uh, continued success. I know we're going into the uh, the, the Christmas season. Uh, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year with your family, your extended family, and uh, give our love to everyone at Richards & Richards. Yes, sir. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate the opportunity. Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. All right. Goodbye. All right. Well, there's a fitting way to end 2013 and end the show for this year and this month. I want to thank Bowman for being on the show with me today. I love those four suggestions for bringing your kids into the business. That's really good stuff. And uh, I, I think it always helpful to hear from those who are experiencing it, not just the like Bowman is. And I, I think that 
that uh, information, that advice is really good stuff. So special thanks to you for hanging out with us as well. I'd love to hear from you if you have any unique angle of service you're offering in the world and want to let the industry know about it. You might have a unique viewpoint. You might be like Bowman, a kid in a business and learning to figure that piece out. Whatever whatever it is you're doing, I, I'm always intrigued by it. So if you got something cool you'd like to share, let me know. Finally, a big shout out to our good friends at O'Neill Software for sponsoring the show this year and actually for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I, you get to a date like this and you realize that you accomplish a whole lot of things in life, not just because you want to, but because you have support. And I, I got to say that uh, O'Neill Software has been such a support as it relates to the sponsorship of the show. Uh, other people have asked uh, about um, sponsoring the show. And um, as of right now, um, I I appreciate the fact that O'Neill has, has dedicated um, a sponsorship on the show and really want to support what we're doing here on the show. Uh, I, I think they're a really cool company and I appreciate the support of the show because without it, we just probably wouldn't do it on a weekly basis. And so uh, from that perspective, I want a big shout out to good friends, uh, David and the team at O'Neill software for uh, all the support they've given this show over the years. So if you want to learn more about them and check them out, uh, you can do so at O'NeillSoft.com. That's it for us. I hope you have a great holiday season and a happy new year. We'll catch up with you in 2014. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.RimProReport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.